What is going on, everybody? Uh, thank you for tuning in. My name is Sean Sebastian. I'm the Sales Development Manager for Europe. I'm joined by my two friends, Mark Goodrum, the Managing Director for Point of Rental, and Graham Arendell, who is the CEO of the HAE, the Higher Association of Europe. Um, Graham has led the HAE for 13 years now. Is that right, Graham? That's absolutely correct, Sean. Right on. And if you're unfamiliar with HAE, they are the UK's leading trade association for the higher industry. Uh, Mark Goodrum, uh, not a lot of people know this about Mark, but Mark has 10 years of experience in the higher industry before he wrote his first bit of code. Actually, I don't know if that's true or not, um, <laughs> but he does have 10 years of higher experience. He was a manager for Travis Perkins and Gamble Jarvis Plant before joining Point of Rental back in 2004. And so what we're going to be discussing today is kind of what uh, the future looks like. We've all been, it's hard to believe what, what's happened, everything that's happened this year, but talk about what the future looks like and, and some different things that happened during uh, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. For our, our U.S. friends, higher is rental, rental is higher. Um, so the kind of first and foremost, uh, Graham. Uh, the higher community is so tight-knit and integral to their communities. Um, what are some of the ways that you saw higher companies in, in Europe step up to provide relief during this pandemic? That's a great question to start with, Sean. You are right. It is a tight-knit community. Um, it's yeah. a very friendly community as well. And um, whilst I can't speak about uh, greater Europe, I can certainly talk about the UK and, uh, and Ireland. So many opportunities presented themselves to the higher community uh, in terms of helping out during the pandemic. We saw many of our many larger hire companies very much involved in preparations for testing stations. Uh, they were highly involved in preparing and building the uh, much vaunted Nightingale hospitals, which fortunately we didn't really need. And then you had the smaller, smaller guys who were operating in the community. And a lot of those uh, managed to pick up a lot more DIY type customers. So those guys who got furloughed were sat at home with nothing to do until the wife said, that garden looks like it could do with doing. Um, <laughs> they were able to pick up some work in that. So that's another way of helping the community and, and keeping those men out of trouble. But most of the stuff was around the NHS, uh, keeping the NHS running, uh, backing up some of the infrastructure areas. So roads were quiet, the rail was quiet. So all those dealing with the National Rail Network are able to supply equipment and get on with jobs. And similarly, down the, the lines of infrastructure, motorway building and things of that nature. So you said the uh, testing stations, Nightingale hospitals. I didn't realize that they were doing so much with the NHS. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think if you see the press and, and it was in a lot of the news networks and in a lot of the national uh, news uh, deliveries, uh, you could see our members' vehicles in the background. Isn't that amusing, Sean? That's amazing. Um, so they, they, they were much vaunted down that respect. Uh, but the Nightingale hospitals especially as well, not only did they provide equipment, they also built up some of the stuff. And there was an opportunity as well in that for the, for the event industry, which has been absolutely devastated by the pandemic during the, the early part of the season. Uh, some of the, in fact, the marquee guys were able to go out and actually utilise those. And the portable sanitation guys were also much in use uh, in terms of setting up some of this uh, this service. Yeah. I, I mean, that's always been amazing to me about the higher industry is how not just resilient everyone can be, but they can just immediately change and adapt to, to what's going on. And that, 
Very true, yeah. And it's been proven throughout the pandemic. You know, people have adapted. Yeah. Like you've seen some uh, one, one linen company that I can think of that, that manufactures and hires out linen. Uh, they're actually uh, sewing up face masks at the moment. Seriously? Yeah. They're making face masks. So fantastically. Uh, yeah. You know, um, and doing the community a great service at the same time. Uh, people don't understand how valuable the hire industry is. You know, it's often under the radar. And being under the radar, people don't see it. You go to a site, construction or, or an event site for that matter, and you'll see all the equipment in use. But you always relate it to either the festival organizer or the construction site owner. Most of it is actually rented in. So it's been a good opportunity for us to put forward the hire industry overall. I've just got a quick question for you, Graham. V-Hire, virtual reality. Oh. How, how is that going? Because I see that a big part of the future. Well, funnily enough, Mark, I'm, I want to talk about V-Hire and virtual reality. But really, in, in relation to our discussion a bit further on in terms of use of technology, so if we could just sort of shelve it for the time yeah. being and come back to it at that point. You heard it here, folks. That's a teaser trailer for what's coming coming up ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess kind of on the same same line, but uh, one, one thing that's always really, we've re- really appreciated Point of Rental for the HAE is your commitment to training, development, and excellence in the hire industry. Um, so with social distancing orders relaxing, uh, we saw that you had, the, what was that, the social distancing practical guidance live event? Can, can you share how that went? Yeah, we, I mean, we ran the uh, the event a couple of weeks ago, but uh, there was a big build-up to it because clearly we've got to prepare all the documentation um, and get it out there and get members to agree it. So yeah. um, Carl Bartlett, our certification services director uh, and also health and safety expert, set about putting together this document. And um, we, we tested it with the chief execs of ma- many of the higher companies and also through a, a, an online technical health and safety group, revised it, moved it around, and then decided that now the thing to do was to put together a webinar. And strangely enough, mm-hmm. that was the first webinar that HE's ever produced. It was great. We had a, a good support from our members, a lively support from within the office, um, and we took people through the practical side of the document, uh, talking to them about how they needed to create the social distancing points, what kind of equipment was required, what precautions needed to be taken. And it deals not only with the social distancing aspect, it deals with the the maintenance of the equipment, uh, how it should be delivered, the demonstration elements of delivering equipment or even being collected. And so it was a broad-ranging document. And we just felt the webinar delivery allowed us to talk to people in simple, plain terms and make them sure they understood exactly what we're trying to achieve. And it is a guidance document. It's it's not an edict to our members to mm-hmm. adopt absolutely everything. It's a guidance yeah. document that, that fits very much in line with our uh, certification process, Safehire, which you mentioned, you know, we're very happy to uh, to work on. And is is that a webinar, is that available for replay? It is, yes. Um, yes. It will go live anytime now. We've been uh, working on it and tidying it up and sh- making it a bit sharper. Um, and yeah. that will go live as a, as a replay. Um, the document's available through our website. There is a link on our website. Uh, and it's been well received by members and, and even our uh, cousins in Australia. Um, they they took the document and utilized it. And uh, I think uh, I said to you earlier, Sean, about an old round table motto of adopt, adapt, improve. 
Well, that's what the Australians did for their marketplace. They took our documents and uh, changed it to suit their own marketplace, which is great. How is Safehire progressing with the members? Very well. Because everybody I speak to shouts about it. It's it's uh, it's a great uh, it's a great thing. I mean, there's a lot of history behind it, Mark. You're aware of it. I mean, it goes back way beyond 2000. Um, but when it got to about 2011, we actually created it as a, a British standard or a private standard, uh, edited and put together by British Standards Institute. And then in 2018, it became a, a mandatory requirement for membership, and the members have uh, adopted it. And they're working hard on it. Um, and it, from our perspective, it talks about safe hiring. Um, it's actually a business improvement tool. And it's about best practice and sharing best practice. And we do that through the certification, the assessments, and then creating bulletins uh, to share with members. Um, and it's very well received. Uh, even with larger organizations who may have the, uh, the more recognized ISO standards. Mm. But it is built around the ISO standards as well. So thank you for that question, Mark. Because you also have pits as well for supplier yeah, we yeah, that's the Higher Industry Trusted Supplier Scheme. That's a relatively new one. That was something that was developed by our uh, supply chain board. I think they felt somewhat guilty that all the, the hire and rental members had to go through this certification process every year. And uh, they could get on there without anything. And I think they were also envious of the little orange rondel the badge, the badge for safe hire. Um, so they wanted their own scheme. So we put together a scheme that was, I suppose it's about due diligence of the supply chain. The major hire companies have their own due diligence processes. A lot of the smaller organizations don't go through exactly the same process. So what we did, we worked with our supply chain board members, some of the larger organizations who have these uh, kind of due diligence programs and put together I suppose it's an A4 sheet, really, of, of questions that really tests the uh, the financial aspects, the uh, sustainable approach to manufacturing, the environment, productivity levels, uh, and everything else around that, that uh, if you're looking to find a longer-term supplier, you really need to know. And having those guys done it once, they get the badge, the HITS badge, higher industry-trusted supplier, um, that gives then the, uh, some of the purchasing managers for the smaller businesses an opportunity to go there knowing that due diligence has been done and they can uh, happily use these people as suppliers. I didn't know that. Thanks for <laughs> that's That's really cool. <laughs> we think it's cool as well. I, I do. So. <laughs> Graham, you recently called out uh, on a LinkedIn post uh, how the government scheme was leaving a gaping hole for those of our colleagues in the event and supply sector. Um, could, would you be open to expounding on that here? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's uh, it's not a problem at all. It's um, I mean, anybody who knows the uh, event industry will appreciate that it's it's very seasonal in the way yeah. it operates, and um, the seasonality in this case was its weakness. Um, yeah. The pandemic sort of started, let's say, beginning of March. Easter comes during March and the event season really takes off from, from Easter time. And from Easter through to July is their, their big earning season. Yeah. Um, the pandemic completely wiped out that opportunity. Yeah. And whilst the UK government have been fantastic and we've been totally supportive of the schemes that the Chancellor has come forward with, the furlough scheme for, for, 
for job retention, um, some of the loan schemes they've come up with, uh, the business rates relief. But actually, most of our event members missed out on a lot of this. Yes, they can get the furlough. Yes, they could make application for the business uh, investment loans. Um, but some of the times, or most of the times in, in cases, where they apply for business rates relief, they weren't being recognised by the local governments. Um, in the UK, the structure of government, the national government will present something. It was then passed to local government to determine who should get business rates relief because they're the collectors of that product. Hospitality was covered by it, but nowhere in that was a lot of the event industry. So hospitality covered the pubs, the restaurants and areas like that. But the local councils didn't recognise event hire companies and some of the other event type companies uh, as being part of the hospitality sector. And on that basis, have been turning them down for business rate relief, continue to turn them down for business rate relief. And that all comes despite the fact that the Chancellor said in Parliament on the 17th of March, and he specifically used the words event equipment hire. Mm. Um, if they have premises, then they should be eligible for the business rate relief. And uh, local government, generally speaking, has chosen to ignore it. And for some of these smaller event companies, business rates forms a fair high percentage of their cost, of their fixed cost anyway. Without that, it's causing great problems. Um, so, yeah, um, I feel very strongly for the event industry. And we're working with an organisation called the Event Industry Forum, working on an application to the Department of Culture, Media and Sport uh, to actually bring them up to speed and try and get uh, the whole event uh, industry working again in some form or other. Um, but, yeah, the, the government has neglected the event industry. It's an industry that probably 40 billion a year, somewhere like that, in income, millions of people employed through it, be it part-time or full-time. Yeah. Um, the costs of not supporting that industry, whilst it may not be apparent in the headlines at the moment, um, will become so if they don't do something soon. Um, the extended furlough to the end of October, yeah, that helps a little bit. Um, but all it's doing, unless they give them some real support, is push that date of inevitability back where people start, do actually start to lose their jobs. It kind of goes back to... Um rental and hire companies being a huge part of the community that's uplifting the community, but is hardly seen, right? Kind of like what we talked about earlier. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, you know, things like weddings, you know, yeah. everybody just assumes a wedding takes place. <laughs> it, just, it just happens. <laughs> yeah. But in actual fact, the, the planning that goes on around that yeah. is probably 12 months, two years yeah. or more even, you know, you've got to book a venue or a marquee for it to appear in. Uh, you've got to get the caterers in there to do the catering. The caterers then hire the equipment from the event hire companies. Yeah. Um, and it's it's this cascade down that the whole industry is sort of totally interlinked. And if, if you break that link, the whole industry starts to fall apart. Um, I said earlier, the marquee companies have found some opportunities in the uh, testing stations and provisions of, of temporary cover and stuff like that. The guys supplying catering equipment have got no other options than to actually 
to supply it for an event. Uh, so, you know, weddings have stopped. All the weddings have been cancelled. Um, you can't have a big enough gathering. And yes, there is some momentum around trying to uh, reduce the social distance between people and to try and get events going. But, you know, even if a pub opens up now in, in July, as welcome as that will be, um, if it can only have 30% of its normal trade, it ain't going to last long. There's not a real lot of interest in that. And I can't imagine going into a restaurant that's only 30% full. Uh, you know, the atmosphere just won't be there, will that's it? That's a good point. I'd, I'd thought about that. But you, you think about all these things, and um, we really do have to do something. And, and for me, saving the industry that's there, first of all, and then let's look at how we can reintroduce the events and get people going to them um, at a safe social distance. Mark, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, we do have to do something about it. I was due to get married in uh, just next month. Uh, and that's been cancelled. Uh, and all the suppliers, uh, it's affected all of them. And, and you talk to them, uh, it's been massive. Everybody. It is. It just it wipes them out completely, Mark. That There, there is no revenue. So nope. as I said earlier, the season starts around Easter time. Um, a lot of these guys don't earn revenue from October, November through till, till totally Easter. Time, yeah. You know, yeah. so it, it came at the worst possible time. Had the pandemic perhaps come at the end of September or October, then they would have probably had the finances to carry them through. At this point, yeah. they've used their finances to carry them through the lean periods of the winter time. Um, so they need that. They need that input. They need that cash. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the only source of it, really, at this stage, other than running an event or a wedding, is uh, is from our government, which I suppose we're all contributing to in the end. I guess on that on that same line of thought. Um, what are your thoughts around the best route for discovery, or sorry, discovery for recovery? What in the event industry or in in the higher industry? Or... Uh, I'd say in the higher industry. Well, let's, let's get, could we do this? Could we start a higher industry and then make it broader to the general UK? We'll we'll see where it goes, shall we? Shall see where it goes. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I think from a higher industry perspective, it, it's very much dependent on its client base. Um, it, it will react and uh, increase its service levels as it's needed. Um, it's probably operating at, I don't know, 75% capacity or 75% of where it was pre-pandemic at the moment. In general, you have some higher and some significantly lower than that. And I'm excluding events completely. Here. Um, that, yeah. You know, they're operating at a level that, that, that their clients want at the moment. Uh, for me, the only way that we're going to get this up and running better is if the government bring forward some of the contracts that they've got stocked away. They need to bring forward infrastructure. They need to bring forward and try and do more of the development. We need the big development companies to start giving out contracts. That's the only way we're going to recommit this. If not, uh, the way I see it is that uh, as the furlough starts to run out and change, that's going to be swapped for people who are going to be out of work, unfortunately. And we'd st we'll still have the the burden of payment, um, and I use that word burden advisedly, because all will happen is that their costs will transfer from a furlough scheme into universal credit. So somehow or other, the government has got to find ways of stimulating the economy that forces uh, the construction industry to grow. We've got hospitals that need building. 
the government had talked about that when they came through the election. Well, let's start bringing these contracts forward. Let's not plan them in two, three or four years' time. Let's plan them in the next 12 months so that at least work can start going. That way, that will support the, the construction-related side of the industry. And we've talked long enough, I think, about the, uh, the trials and tribulations of the event industry. Mark, what are, you, what are, you, what are your thoughts? Just as long as exactly what Graham's saying, you know, we need uh, to get the industry working. Yeah, I think I think you're both spot on. It's been pretty interesting talking to um, clients as well as prospects that are looking for streamlining their processes now, like u- using the downtime to become more efficient and to and to um, really just streamline their businesses. Like I remember a story from Mark. Did you ever meet Kyle Roberts? Uh, I did. Yeah. So uh, he, he was the former uh, head of implementation for the U.S., Kyle Roberts. He used to work for a, a rental hire company uh, in the Midwest. And they they took their business and uh, he was like co-owner, co-owner there. They took their business for an entire year and didn't look for new business at all. They just didn't, they didn't look at all. And they just were like, hey, we're going to focus on just fixing our processes. And in that year, they grew like 60% without looking for new businesses because they were fixing their processes. So I, I, I like the idea like you're saying, if we if we have a plan, that hospital is going to be made in two years anyway. Why don't we just move it on up so that we can we can keep on keep on moving it and have the process just streamlined? I mean, am I hearing you right? Yeah, and no, I, I don't disagree with anything you said there, Sean. Absolutely right. Well, and I think now might be a good time to talk about V hire because I know that you know the with the COVID situation, the use of technology within the UK, and as a result, the hire industry had necessity. Um, yeah, well, what are your what are your thoughts with with V hire? And for those for those that might not be, uh, might not know what V hire is, how how would you explain what V hire is? Um, I should think everybody's heard of virtual reality. Now, what is what is that? It's it's something that's real but only virtually. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair I don't, know, I don't know what the technical uh, technical description of that would be, Sean. Are we talking uh, about like the Oculus Rift? Well, that's that's the kind of yeah. thing. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or the Google Cardboard. Yeah, the Google Cardboard on, on the on the bottom end of the scale. I mean, yep. if, if, uh, from from our perspective, when you're talking about technology, uh, we recognised as an association back in 2014, 15, um, that there was a need to look and and bring our industry forwards to use more technology, and the only way we could see that uh, we could achieve that was by leading it. And so we started looking at uh, different methodologies of delivering training. And the one that we got involved with was something called virtual reality, which is an immersive form of learning. Now, most people have probably seen virtual reality um, in car showrooms, for example, where you can go and have a look around a car, or I've seen some um, wedding organizers using them so that you can have a look at the venue dressed up and, and everything else. Crazy. Um, so this is this is, those cases were very much um, what I would term experiential, whereas what we wanted to do was to use the the methodology to teach and educate. And the things we sort of looked at um, the V hire that you refer to, which is probably old hat now, um, that technology has been superseded. It moves on so fast. Um, but V hire was about uh, introducing people into uh, difficult situations where they could uh, test themselves 
without any risk. So it was a way of mitigating risk in difficult situations. Uh, for example, um, perhaps uh, climbing up some uh, aluminium tower scaffold, putting some aluminium tower scaffold together. Um, one of the first uh, V-hire modules we had was on tower scaffold. Um, it was a risk-based assessment, and it was about people being in position, being able to inspect a tower to make sure it was one in the right place, it had been located correctly, that it wasn't close to any overhead wires, um, that it was completely built correctly. Um, and then we tested them on their observations. Um, and that was the start of virtual reality for us. Um, since V-Hire, um, and it is slightly separate now, we've moved on some way and we're close to launching um, a virtual reality um, creator. It's almost like an editor. Um, mm -hmm. The vision I had two and a half, three years ago was that um, I love using software that I can copy and paste on. It saves me time. It's much more productive. It's a lot easier. Developing the modules for the virtual reality um, was time consuming and quite expensive. So what I wanted to do was to be able to get some medium where we could actually provide um, a lot of graphical images um, and that somebody could literally, and I'll use that phrase again, copy and paste to create a virtual reality training module. We're there with that now. We've got that technology and we're just about to uh, do some beta testing with it. And um, we've done a number of modules. We've got uh, about 20 modules which re relate to higher equipment. Uh, the most popular items in tools that we would, uh, our members have hired out. And we've also gone into other areas of education. And we've we've got a module that anybody can access, um, and that's on, on mental welfare. It's a highly relevant topic at the moment, particularly with those people that are struggling with the, uh, the pandemic, the issues around furlough, potential redundancies, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's, there's already a module there in virtual reality that people can use. They can also see it in a 2D format on a desktop or a laptop. But it's been designed to operate on mobile phones. Um, it'll be available ultimately on both Android and iOS platforms. And it's a fantastic way of learning and doing it without risk. Even to the extent the things we're looking at is if you think about an oil platform where there's a mechanical issue, you can actually go in there and have already done that problem elsewhere without any risk, without having to simulate the situation. Um, it's I just love it. I love technology full stop. Um, the the V-Hire, the virtual reality, is a project that, uh, that's dear to my heart. And um, like I say, when, when we actually launch it properly in the next two or three months, it'll be great to see where it happens. And it'll go from there. It'll become readily available and almost any company could take it. And as long as they've got the graphic, graphic images there to utilize, they're able to create their own modules and you'll be able to use them for any type of training that you so desire. That's amazing. That's so that, that's, that's the technology from our perspective. If you look at the other technology, then certainly higher companies have started using the, the free offer that Point of Rental put out there on which, thank you, Mark, that was well, well received uh, in terms of signing for, for equipment and jobs. 
Um, we've all got used to the Zoom meetings, the 8 by 8 meetings, the team meetings, Google Hangout meetings, every other medium that's available in terms of that. Uh, the number of pieces of software I've got on my laptop at the moment for doing conference calls is incredible. And they always work beforehand, but never work when you want them to. Um, <laughs> and they have a habit of falling over when you get too many recipients on there as well. But in terms of what it's done for the association, it's helped us to keep operating um, as a team. We're all working remotely, so we meet every day on, on screen. Uh, we're using the technology. We've developed webinars. We've started producing webinars. And every day we have a new idea for another webinar, how it's going to help training or how it's going to help um, the return to work, for example. Um, we did the webinar on the... Uh, the social distancing, as you refer to it, Sean. Uh, but we've got other ones planned as well around uh, pieces of equipment, maintaining equipment, sanitizing, and things of that nature. So for me, technology is a fantastic medium. 12 months ago, we bought our offices. And at the time, I questioned whether we actually needed the space that we had because I didn't foresee this, but you, can, you could see the situation where people could work remotely and work remotely very successfully. And I think um, this situation has proved it. And we're going to get a lot of people who will be able to get probably a better work-life balance out of using technology and using technology to maintain the levels of service and offerings that they've, they've been able to do without the technology in the past. So for me, it's been a, a game changer. And I think for a lot of our members, it will be a game changer. Um, sales meetings can change. Now you don't have to travel. You think about the, the time wasted commuting, for example, when you could actually be at home having breakfast with your kids or get home early enough to have dinner with your kids yeah. because you're working remotely. It's more cost effective in that respect for individuals. So it's, a, it's possibly a preference for them. So, yeah, I, I think technology has changed i think it will change this industry um, and a lot more besides as well and as long as we get good software to manage our businesses with mark mm -hmm. there's no reason for it not to keep going is there definitely definitely <laughs> yeah well graham thank you thank you so much for uh for the time today we, we really appreciate it um mark did you have any do you have anything else i just want to say a big thank you to, to graham and his team for the great work you do on behalf of the whole team, thank you. We appreciate it. If uh, people want to find out more about the HAE, please go to hae.org.uk. And that's also where they'll, they'll find that webinar on social distancing pretty soon. Is that? That's correct, Sean. That's right. Okay. And then any upcoming webinars are gonna be, that are going to be uh, happening right. as well. Yeah. Perfect. Great. Okay. Well, thank you all for joining. And uh, yeah, tune, tune in next time.